Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC, with offices in the Midwest. Stangy Law Firm is a family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an important topic today. The topic is the necessity of legal research, and this is based on an article on our blog, FamilyLawHeadquarters.com. And the title of that article is Legal Research, an Important Part of Family Law. And the date of this article is September 24, 2017. So as a follow-up to this episode, you can definitely go on over to Family Law Headquarters, check out uh, the article. If you're on Block Talk Radio, there's also a hyperlink under uh, the description of this podcast today that you can click, and that can take you directly to the article as well. But let's go ahead and jump on into the topic. Again, the topic is legal research and the necessity of it. And here's really the deal in a nutshell. Uh, Lots of individuals oftentimes believe when they hire an attorney that their attorney is basically, right, a walking and talking encyclopedia of law. In other words, the viewpoint, think of many out there, uh, especially people that are looking to hire an attorney, is that their attorney ought to know everything in essence, right? They know everything right off the tip of their fingers. So if there's a legal question uh, that they have, the attorney ought to just sort of spit out an answer in a robotic manner, like almost sort of computer-like, where they just know the answer to everything uh, right off the bat. Um, and, and that perception, in a lot of ways, right, it makes sense because when people hire an attorney, um, you know, they want somebody who's competent, they want somebody who's knowledgeable, they want somebody who's experienced. And certainly, uh, any attorney who practices in a particular area of the law and who has done so for a period of time, right, they do learn some things, right? And there are uh, some uh, really basic fundamentals of the law that an attorney, you know, probably knows or probably should know, right? Um, but the reality of the situation is that a lot of the questions clients have um, are fairly unique, right? Not everything is cookie cutter. Uh, there are oftentimes uh, specific questions uh, that might be unlike or different than other fact patterns that maybe an attorney has experienced. And I'm even talking about an attorney who's been practicing a long time, right? Any attorney who's been practicing a long time uh, will have some cases, and these cases might have some similar features, but then walks in the door a unique fact pattern or a fact pattern that is a little bit different than something they've seen before, right? So not everything is cookie cutter. Uh, Not all cases are exactly the same. And not every client question is simple and easy, right? A lot of the client questions out there can be quite complex, um, and it's not a situation where an attorney can just really be expected to know the answer right off the top of their head, and they certainly can't predict a result and what a judge might do uh, because there's some, at the end of the day, a lot of discretion judges have and some potential ambiguities in the law. And so let's sort of break this down in more detail. when you get into family law and really other areas of law as well, right, there's laws out there. In the legal field, we call these statutes, right? And statutes are legislation which are passed by state legislatures, right? And they're ultimately signed into law uh, by the governor of a particular state, right? So when we're talking about Missouri, when we're talking about Illinois or Kansas or whatever state uh, you listeners might be in, right, there's statutes, there's family law statutes, family laws out there that are basically codified uh, in, your, in, in your state statutes, and, and this really sort of formed the foundation in terms of uh, the way uh, divorce and family law matters are handled, and certainly it sets forth the laws 
that courts are supposed to follow in terms of resolving divorce and family law cases, right? Uh, here's the reality, though. So a lot of people in hearing that think, okay, so this is, uh, this is pretty cookie-cutter, right? This is pretty black and white, right? Judges just sort of apply the law in this sort of rigid format, uh, and every fact pattern, right, falls right specifically into a law, and the law itself is just crystal clear, right, uh, not really subject to interpretation, and the courts just apply it, and there you go, right? The reality is that just isn't uh, really the case in a lot of circumstances, right? Uh, not every statute, uh, listeners, is clear on its face, right? Uh, one attorney or judge can read a statute, right, and come to one interpretation of it, and another attorney or judge could read it and really have a different interpretation in terms of how it applies to a specific fact pattern out there, right? So statutes are not perfectly written, right? A lot of statutes have some ambiguities to it, and it requires the courts to actually interpret it when applying it to specific fact patterns. And this, in fact, listeners, are what judges what judges do in cases, Right. In a divorce and family law con context, um, you know, judges uh, ordinarily issue written judgments, right? And really the depth of this and the findings that a court has to make is going to vary based on the state uh, that the case is in, right? Different states have different requirements in terms of the findings of fact and conclusions of law a judge has to make. But judges in judgments, right, will find the facts in essence and then applying the laws to the facts, uh, will issue a written judgment. And a lot of these uh, written judgments, you know, have the judges applying the statutes to the facts on hand, right? And so the judge will read the statute, apply it to the case, and this becomes what's called case law, right? And then a lot of these cases get appealed up to the appellate court uh, or perhaps the state Supreme Court. And then the appellate court to the state Supreme Courts can either affirm uh, what the trial court did. In other words, they believe that the, the court applied their discretion appropriately and, and that there wasn't an error as a matter of law, right? But sometimes uh, courts can reverse the decision of the trial court, right? And, and as family law attorneys, we see this, right? There are cases that come out and cases that come out regularly where the trial judge uh, decided a case one particular way, and then the Court of Appeals or the state Supreme Court uh, reverses that decision of the trial court, and they might find that maybe the judge abused their discretion or that the judge uh, erroneously or, or misapplied the law. And obviously the exact language of this can vary based on state uh, uh, statutes and in terms of the, the verbiage the judges choose to use. Uh, but the reality of the situation is case law is really important and really necessary to family law because case law shows how courts have ruled in the past and in terms of how courts have applied uh, specific statutes in the past, right? And so a lot of the listeners out there might think, wow, this seems um, uh, in a lot of ways sort of really theoretical, um, sort of law school class oriented. What does this mean for me and help me understand how legal research is then going to help me? Well, again, go back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, which is a lot of times clients have specific questions uh, in terms of, you know, what do you think a court might do uh, with my case? Uh, what do you think would be the best possible strategy, you know, that we, we could formulate in order to present this case in an effective way? And again, what attorneys oftentimes have to do with a lot of these questions is say, client, that's a really interesting question. 
Uh, that's a really interesting question. And based on what I know now, uh, here's generally what I think, right? So, you know, when you're trying to predict outcomes as an attorney, I mean, you can't because judges uh, have a lot of discretion and different judges can do different things. But sometimes as an attorney, you can present uh, a potential best, uh, worst, and then middle case scenario for a client, right? And then in terms of strategies, um, again, you can sort of generally give a lot of clients what your strategy would be off the cuff. But again, what, what attorneys really need to do, and this is really part of the piece of a lawyer being competent and diligent, is, is they have to do legal research, right? Um, back in the day, and I know a lot of lawyers' offices uh, are still set up this way, right? There are books on the shelves, right? And a lot of uh, clients out there wonder what are in these legal books you know I see this bookshelf and I see rows and rows of books and what is all this in a general sense obviously the books a lawyer chooses to have in their office can vary but I'd say two of the the most common things lawyers have on their shelves are one the statutes which is what I referenced before and then two case law and the case law interprets the statutes right in other words the case law shows a lawyer uh, what judges and courts have done in the past in, in applying uh, a fact pattern to a statute, right? And so doing case law research, really, really critical and a really important uh, part of a lawyer doing their job. And so to the individuals out there who have divorce and family law cases, again, uh, lawyers have to do research. And lawyers are not uh, walking, talking encyclopedias of law, and new cases come out regularly, right, which can sort of change the analysis uh, when a new case comes out, especially a new case uh, that might come out that could be significant, right? And so lawyers do have a duty and obligation to do legal research, and clients out there shouldn't be offended by that fact, right? Again, clients, again, oftentimes assume lawyers should know everything, and they don't have to do research, right? But good lawyers uh, do research because it will help that lawyer in terms of formulating a potential strategy and really advising the client such that the client can make informed decisions along the way, right? So legal research uh, critical, uh, legal research important, and certainly to the you know individuals out there going through divorce and family law matters, you want a lawyer who's up to date, right, who keeps himself up to date, right, by reviewing uh, new cases uh, that come out. Now, obviously today, uh, more and more lawyers, right, you're not going to see the books on the shelves, right? Uh, lawyers today uh, are able to do most of their legal research online uh, through different uh, research software that's out there that lawyers can access, but some lawyers still use the books uh, as well. But again, really the moral and the premise of this episode, and it's the point I want to make sure uh, that I'm making, is that legal research is important, uh, legal research is vital, and individuals going through divorce or family law matters, uh, when you see that your lawyer is doing legal research, uh, you should embrace it and think that that ultimately is a good thing because it shows uh, in most instances that you have a lawyer um, who is dotting I's, crossing T's, uh, keeping themselves up to date, and uh, formulating an effective strategy uh, for your case. And that is always the hope and the goal uh, behind doing legal research. And then certainly as well, uh, presenting that legal research to the court can oftentimes really be helpful as well in terms of persuading uh, the court 
uh, in terms of the outcome uh, that a particular client might be seeking in a case, right? So legal research important, legal research necessary. Certainly lawyers um, who practice in a particular field of law are going to know a lot of statutes and a lot of cases off the top of their head, um, but it's not a circumstance where any client can really expect that their lawyer knows everything and that at the same time they shouldn't be doing legal research. Legal research is exactly what most lawyers need to be doing in order to effectively uh, represent clients in divorce and family law matters. So again, that is the topic today. As a follow-up to the episode, go on over to familylawheadquarters.com. Check out the article titled, Legal Research, an Important Part of Family Law. Well, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for our next episode of Family Law Talk coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stange. Visit StangeLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtain on this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should contact an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. And finally, past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stangy is responsible for the content. Principal Place of Business, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105.